Well, good day, Fellowship family. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. It's a great celebration here at Fellowship Bible Church. Thanks for being a part of our family. And I want to just uh, let you know, if you're a mother, we have pictures out in the atrium after the service. You can have your picture there if you haven't taken it yet. And next week, we'll have a 5 by 7 for you, free of charge, because we love you, moms. And we also have muffins for you out there. And make sure you get one, because I don't want to eat them for the rest of the week. Uh, Just kind of piggybacking on what uh, Bill was praying for, I know that this weekend it may be difficult for you if you've struggled with infertility as a couple, and we want to come alongside you, we want to create community for you, and also not only just pray for you, but uh, offer some options, and there are many families who struggled with infertility who've moved towards adoption or foster care, and, and you wouldn't believe how much of a need there is in Shawnee County for couples to do that, and so if you want to learn more about this opportunity, join us on Sunday, May 27th, that's two weeks from today, from two till four in the fireside room, which is at first room in the atrium as you come in from the east side of the, uh, of the building. And we'd love to talk to you about this. And if you would like to come, just go online and register for this event so we can prepare for you. And uh, we'll, we'll we, just be in prayer and see what God will do with this. Uh, I, remember, I remember when uh, I was in Israel last year and I went to this site. It's uh, Shiloh. And after a while, when you've been in, in, in Israel, each archaeological site kind of looks the same after a while. <laughs> But this is the site where the tabernacle was for hundreds of years before uh, it was moved to Jerusalem in the temple. And in 1 Samuel 1, this place is the place where Samuel was offered to serve the Lord in the, temp- in, in the tabernacle there. And he was offered by his mother, Hannah. Hannah had dealt with infertility. And one time she was praying at the tabernacle with her husband, Elkanah, and she was so intense in her praying that, the, uh, that, that Eli, the chief priest there, said, you're drunk, you're drunk, we shouldn't be here. And she goes, no, I'm praying intently. And she said, if you give me a child, God, I will dedicate him to you. And so Samuel was born. Samuel literally means in Hebrew, I asked of the Lord. And she handed him to Eli, the chief priest there, to lead and to direct, and Samuel became the prophet over Israel. Now, I was there with my mom, and my mom said to me, do you know that when you were inside of me, the doctor said you probably won't be born? And he also said that after you're born, I can't have any more kids, and that's exactly, as soon as I was born, my mom had a hysterectomy and could no longer bear children. And so I knew you were going to be my last one. And so I was searching the scriptures in my worry and my fear. And I came across 1 Samuel. And she came to the end of that chapter in 1 Samuel 1, where Hannah said to the Lord, I have lent him to the Lord. And those were the words she used for me. And my mom prayed through that. And, you know, we're in this series called The Most You Can Do. And the most you can do, we really believe this, the most you can do is pray. It's the greatest privilege that we have. And so why don't we? Why, why can't we? And I just want to encourage you moms in this room 
There's a lot of pressure on you to raise your kid. Even in the Christian community, you've got to do this right, you've got to do this right, you've got to do this right. And if you don't, oh man, your kid's going to be messed up. Pray. It's the most you can do for your child. And I hope I can encourage you in that. We're continuing in this series called The Most You Can Do. And we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And up to this point, we've talked about our Father in heaven. That's who we pray. And we lift up his name. We hallow his name. We give it reverence. We give it respect. We give it honor. We give him glory. And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we're going to be looking at verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And before we move to this passage, I just want to kind of summarize. Remember the priority of this prayer. We begin with our Father in heaven, and we're supposed to be his children. His children. He's our heavenly Father, and he wants us to ask, just like a loving heavenly Father wants his children to ask. We lift up his name. It says, your name. And so we order our life around the priority of the name of God in our lives. We we seek his kingdom. It's not my kingdom I'm building for myself. It's God's kingdom. And we seek his will, to follow his will, not to will or to do whatever I want to do. And so we submit ourselves to God, and then we're called to ask. Give us this day our daily bread. Day is mentioned twice here. One is day, the other is daily. And what does this mean? What does it mean to live with God daily? Because that's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time together, living daily with God. And you think about it, whether you're wealthy or whether you're in want uh, or in need, there is this issue of 24 hours in the day. And all of us, although we have different amounts of physical resources, we all have and we each have the same amount of time. No matter how wealthy we are, we can't go, God, I want one more hour this day and here's some money for it. No. We can't. We all have the same. And so God, it's a great equalizer for all of humanity, wherever you live, is we're all each given the same amount of time. What are we doing with that time? And how are we living daily in that time? Now, just as I talk about what it's like to live daily with God, there's going to be that tendency for us never just to not really understand what this means because we live in a culture that doesn't usually think daily. We think in seasons, or we think in this great dream that we're pursuing. And this day makes a difference, but we're mostly living our lives for a year, or a season, or a decade. Which is why when we have like a a second grader, and they don't do well on on a spelling test today, we're all worried. We're going, oh no. Oh, no, they're not going to get in the honors courses in high school. They're not going to do well on their ACT. They're not going to get in the college that I want them to. They're not going to get in the sorority or fraternity I want them there. They're not going to get in the career that I want them. And we worry about that in second grade. Why do we do this? Because we're not living for the day. We're living for the dream. And each day matters. And what we do with today is what we're called to do. The more I live, the more I realize God has created us to walk with him daily. What do we do with today? We'll build the week and the month and the year and the decade and ultimately the dream. Today matters. What do we do with today and how do we live 
daily with God. Well, there's a passage that kind of amplifies this in the book of Psalms. It's Psalms 145. If you turn in your Bibles, you'll see it there with me. I'm not going to put it on the screen so that you'll tune your ears into really listening to the word of God. But if you have a Bible or you'd like a Bible, you can get up and get a Bible. They're on the corner sides there and as you come in on those wooden tables. We'd love for you to have one. If you don't have a Bible, keep this. It's our gift to you. If you have one at home, bring it next week. And leave this so we can give it to someone else. Let's take a look at Psalm 145, beginning with verse 14. It says this. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. This really shows us everything that comes from the hand of God. And it teaches us here to to come to him daily and to live in daily dependence for his provision for us. So what does this look like? How do we live with God daily? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize our need. We each have a need, a need for God. Look at how it says this in Psalm 145, verse 15. It says, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. To recognize our need literally means that we we turn our eyes to God to fulfill our need. Now, what do we need from God? Well, it's short. We need everything. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Even the air we breathe is a gift from God. But when we think about some of the greatest things we need is we need the gospel. There's never a day that goes by that we don't need the gospel. We need the completed work of Christ for us. Because if we don't have that, and if I don't have the gospel in my life, I'm going to try to work for my relationship with God rather than rest in the completed work of what Christ has done. If you're here and you're kind of new to this whole concept of what the gospel is, it's easy to come to faith or come to a church and think, I've got to be good, and if God helps those who help themselves, and and if I'm good, I'll reach a time where my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, and I'll be okay. But that's really more about what religion is rather than the relationship we have with God. The relationship we have with God is, is this, and the truth is, we're worse off than we think, and none of us can save ourselves. We can try, we can be exhausted, and we can come to the end of ourselves, but sooner or later we have to admit the fact that our need is salvation. Jesus is the only one who can save us, and he did. He came and he lived a perfect life in this world. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. The church has been preaching this for years and years and years, ever since the resurrection of Jesus. And we still think we can work for it. We need the work of Christ every day in our lives. We need the gospel. Secondly, we need the goodness of God. Paul says that we have the mind of Christ. As a follower of Jesus, God wants his character in you. He wants his love, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his self-control. We we need to forgive others as we have been forgiven. That can only come from God. We have to look to him to fulfill that need in our lives. 
And then we have the gifts of God in our lives. And that can mean life and health and relationships, a job, food, finances, opportunities, safety, security, all those things, all those things. We need to look to God and recognize our daily need. Secondly, we need to ask then. Once we recognize our need, we need to ask for his provision. Why? Because God owns it all. Psalm 24, 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's. God owns it. And the fullness thereof. Everything in it, basically. The world and those who dwell therein. This is something of ownership. Ownership that makes a difference in our prayer life. If I think I own it or I have what I have because I've earned it or worked. And we can believe this lie every day. We will not go to the Lord and ask. Why? Because we're self-dependent. And God calls us in this to ask as a child, as a child to their heavenly father. So what do you ask for from God? There's a lot of things we can ask for. But here it says you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. In other words, if God doesn't open his hands and give us what we need, we will not be satisfied. Augustine said, Oh God, you have created us for yourself, and we are restless until we find our rest in thee. He understood that whole concept that if it's going to happen, it has to come from the hand of God. So what do we have? We talked about spiritual needs of the gospel, of God of being sourced and sustained by God. But there's also things like our emotional needs. So you don't realize how blessed you are. With emotional health until you go through an emotional sickness or mental illness. Till you lose the capacity to process life. Before you go through depression. All those things as I've talked to people and even as I've struggled with anxiety throughout my adulthood life. I've never realized how dependent I am on God. To ask for him. God, give me balance today. Help me trust in you when I'm about to fear, when I'm about to be anxious. Help me to trust in you. But then there's also physical needs, right? There's so many things that we have from God. And once we're aligned to his name and his kingdom and his will, ask, ask whatever is on our hearts. So it's good when we pray, give us this day our daily bread to say, God, this is today. Today, this is what I need from you. Your Heavenly Father loves that kind of prayer. And once we ask, then we got to live in daily dependence on Christ. Apart from God's sourcing and sustaining and being at the center of your life, you will be what's known as self-dependent. And you can be self-dependent as a follower of Jesus or as someone who doesn't believe at all and is not a person of faith at all. And your life looks the same. There are lots of people who say, I follow Jesus, but don't follow him. And so when we live in daily dependence, we're trusting him daily, trusting in his work for us. I like what it says in Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He, and here's my favorite part, verse 19. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. So whether you're at your worst moment and you're crying out to God, God hears you. When you're at your best moment and you call upon the Lord in truth, he hears you and he loves to source your life as you live independence of him. 
Now, we're all dependent on God, whether or not we realize it or not. And we can choose to give him glory or take the credit. But life is best when we're living with him providing daily bread for us. What are some of the things that have to come from the hand of God? We talked about spiritual and emotional needs. Let's talk about the physical things that have to happen in our lives each day. Experts on survival tell you we, the human body needs three things to sustain life. Air, food, and water. And they call it the rules of three. Here's how it goes. Three minutes. The best of us can hold our breaths for three minutes. But if, if air was taken from us, scientists say in space, you will pass out within 15 seconds of no air. Think about that. We all are three minutes away from suffocating. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. (laughs) Three days. Three days. That's the most the human body can handle without water. We're three days away from thirsting to death. Three weeks. Three weeks. The human body, for most of us, three weeks is the most we can go without any type of nutrition. Three weeks. Three minutes, three days, three weeks. We're all, this is a delicate balance. We don't realize it. We don't realize it because we have refrigerators for our food, right? We got a whole week in there. I go every week and I fill up my cupboards. I fill up my refrigerator. We've got enough. And so daily is very foreign to us. It's very strange to us. We got to live in that daily dependence. God gives us so many things. I think about even clothing and shelter, sleep. The human body must have sleep. And we don't recognize our dependence on him until we're without it. Until we struggle with breathing. Until we're without water in a desert. Until we're struggling uh, finding food. Which many people in the world go to bed hungry each night. So God says, live, live and depend on me. But it also not only means living in daily dependence, it also means practicing daily contentment. As the writer of Psalm 30, excuse me, Proverbs 30 says this. It's an interesting ask from the Lord. It's a prayer. He says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. But here's the second thing, and this is the focus. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. So here, I just want you to think it's not necessarily that the wealthy are all bad or the poor are all bad. It's the attitude of all of us when we look at God's provision Give me neither poverty nor riches because there's that balance of knowing that everything comes from the Lord and giving him the glory and that balance of not stealing from others because we don't feel God has given us enough. In all the resources, uh, research of why people steal from companies and why people take from others, it's because they believe they've been cheated. That's what it means. Coveting has a whole bunch of different different uh, personalities to it and a bunch of different circumstances around it. But ultimately it comes that we need to be people who live with and practice 
daily contentment. I want to challenge you on this because this is one of the key areas that I look at our culture and say we, I, we all need to grow. I need to grow. We all need to grow in this room because we can look at a closet full of clothing on a Sunday morning and we can go, I have nothing to wear. Okay, I just see it. Every service this weekend, I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen that. Because you probably heard it this morning. Or we can look at a cupboard full of food and we go, there's nothing to eat here. Yeah, that happens. We've heard that. And I know there's been some lima beans in those cupboards that have been there for years and years and are just waiting for the food drive before they're given. But folks, those in need need better than lima beans. Trust me. We give our first and our best to those in need. And that means that we live with contentment with what we have. We've got to be people who look beyond that. And I know it's real easy for us to shop once a week, but there's some people in this world this morning who are wondering, how is this going to be taken care of? I saw my first hummingbird of the year this week. I think the warm weather just brought him in. And I love the hummingbird. Do you know how much a hummingbird has to eat each day? Three times their body weight. That would be me eating more than 300 pounds of food a day. And I said it correctly. More than 300 pounds of food a day. How in the world could I do that? Well, their metabolism is so great. Now, I've got a refrigerator and I've got a cupboard. But a hummingbird hums all day. That's all it does. It just flies around. Who provides? Who opens his hands for the hummingbird? God provides everything for the hummingbird. They don't have a refrigerator or a cupboard. And yet, your heavenly father takes care of them. Jesus looked at the sparrow, and a sparrow eats about one and a half times its weight in food a day. That would be at least 100 pounds of food for each one of us. At least, people. And so think about this. Jesus said, how much more valuable are you than a sparrow? Which shows us children ask, but live in that contentment. Recognize that everything comes from my hand. I like what Paul says. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. End of verse. Wait a minute. That doesn't fly in the American economy. It doesn't. So how are you doing? Well, I have food and clothing. Things are going really well today. We don't like that. We don't like that. No, I have this car, but I want that car. I'm wearing this right now, but there's a sale at Eddie Power. It's 50% off. 50% off means I buy. It's always, I've got this, but I want that. And what we need to really realize is this is where we need to get back to. Because this is where we start living daily with God. If we have food and clothing, what does it take for you to have a good day? Seriously, in provision. I've got to have this. I've got to have this. got to have that. got to have that. got to have that. Look out. You know how hard it is for you to be content if the list just keeps stacking up and your prayer list is like this of everything God has to provide for you or you won't be happy. Because out of all the things, God wants you to be happy. Forget about holiness. He wants me to be happy. No, contentment. Contentment is what when you're living in that reality of what only God can provide for you and you're resting in his I would just challenge you. Have you ever written out what your prayer requests have been to God? Might be good for you to do this humbly. God, what does it take today for me to be happy? Paul got it. Food, clothing, I'm good. Check. Next thing. Next day. 
I've got it. And contentment is best practiced through generosity. That's why this last one is important to do daily. That we give to the needs of others. We give to the needs of others. And we do this with confidence that God is the one who is flowing things into our lives and we should be able to be people who then open our hands to satisfy the needs and desires of people around us. Do you see that? God is inviting us to reflect who he is through generosity. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. As long as my hands are like this with what God has given me, it's mine. Can't have it. I don't have contentment. And that's our American culture. We live on 104% of our monthly income. Guess what we have to do? We have to cheat. We have to borrow that somehow. And we live in a culture of debt that doesn't live in contentment. And that's why giving just frees us from ourselves. And when we open our hands, we get to experience what God experiences when he provides for our needs. That's such a key value for us. I look at Philippians 4.19. Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When you give, you understand that God, God's flow from your life goes to your life, through your life, to others. And you know, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, do you know that, that those pronouns matter? It's not, Lord, give me today my daily bread. It's give us this day our daily bread. So what is that saying? That we're to look around us to the people who are around us, and we should take care of some needs. We should. Life should be something where we not only receive from God, but we give to God by helping others out. Paul wrote Philippians chapter 4 to a church that was poor, really poor. So poor that I'm sure when he wrote for help, and he wrote for help for the church that was in Jerusalem. And at that time, Jerusalem was under a famine. And so he knew he had to raise something so that he could feed the church in Jerusalem. And he looked at all the places where he planted churches. And the ones that were really easy, they just kind of like the human mind. You go to the people who have it all. Guess who had it all? Corinth. So he writes 1 Corinthians and says, hey, I'm taking up an offering for those who are starving in Jerusalem. Could you help out? They said, sure, we'll help. But they never helped. They said it, but they didn't give it. He said, probably at the last of his list was the church in Philippi. Hey, if you have any, and you could give, there's some people who are starving in Jerusalem. You might want to help them. And what happened was the exact inverse of his expectation. God welled up in the poorest of churches, rich generosity, and they met the need in Jerusalem. And Paul is like, Church in Corinth, and he wrote four chapters in Corinth, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, correcting the church that had all the resources and influence and affluence and gave nothing. Here's the note. Don't give in a way that someone writes four chapters in the Bible about you. <laughs> That's not going to look good. Write more for like Philippians 4, where Paul says, my goodness, you showed me that we have an indescribable gift from God. God's going to supply your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So think about this with me. I want to introduce you to a pastor here named Pastor Yusuf. And Yusuf is Arabic for Joseph. That's my name. That's what my relatives would always call me. 
But I traveled last um, March, just two months ago, to a um, southeastern Asian country. This country is 95% Muslim, and it outlaws the preaching of the gospel. And I met Pastor Yusuf there, and I was exhausted. But I woke up in the morning, and I started hearing his story. He was a pastor training for the ministry in seminary. And God moved his heart to reach out to people who were impoverished in this capital city of this country that is 30 million people. And he noticed that there were 7,000 people from all around his country who were working in trash. And it was the largest dump and is the largest dump site in the world. It's about 400 acres and in some places it has 300 feet of trash. I traveled, and as we traveled to this dump, we went across this very affluent area in this country. I mean, it was like Beverly Hills, and we were going, wow, this is incredible. These homes are just stacked right here. Then we turned the corner, went down the road about five minutes, and we came across this. This is, I was at the bottom of this trash dump, and you look up, and just to show you perspective, there's a crane arm on the top there, the arm of the crane that you can see on the top there. It shows you how large this amount of trash is. And third world trash is really nasty trash, like putrid smelling. And it's very unpleasant to work around. And there's people who just comb through that with their children. And Pastor Yusuf raised up a whole bunch of people, shared the vision, look, we can change our country by reaching these people. And so he set up these places where they built schools for these children, the children of the people who work through trash. And they educate them and they bring them up to be remedial so that they can really thrive in the schools that are in this country. And then he even teaches them English and sings songs about Jesus and shares passages from the Bible about Jesus. I showed up and we traveled to three of these different locations. There's a total of six of them that we were shown. This man, he's 21 years old, his name is Nico. He lives in the trash. He made a decision to do that. He's a college student or finishing up with college and going to seminary. Look at where he lives. All those different bales of garbage are going to be taken to a recycler who will be a middleman and they'll work for 14 to 16 hours a day and make four bucks, four bucks for the whole day. People raise their families in this environment. And as we were walking there, this is what I would see. Now, I was fighting off the gag reflex in the back of my throat because of the smell. But this is standing water. It probably had every disease and bacteria in it that is against the human body. And this is where people live right behind that, their homes. They built a little, uh, little bridge there across that Horrible water. If you see on the top of that water, little dots, those are all flies. So you just hear as you walk through this area. Now, I've been in the slums of India. I've been in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I've seen poverty in Dominican Republic all over. I've never seen living conditions like this. And as I walked through this, then I came across the, the school. Now, the school is the most colorful building in that that neighborhood, but it's, they decided to love what the people love, their children, and 
uh, Nico and his helper here, they teach these little children. In the morning, they do preschool. In the afternoon, they do grade school children. And the teachers of the public schools there are amazed at how much the kids progress through this. The parents are... Here's just one thing. There's a list through what's called the Joshua Project on all the unreached people's groups of the world. And there are six unreached people's groups who actually are working in that trash area that they're reaching with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I then traveled... Oh, by the way, this is one of their water areas, and they made uh, they they have a tank back there, and this is where people can wash their clothes. They can use the bathroom there. They can fill up a tank and drink the water there so that they don't get uh, sick anymore. Again, an improvement that they just show the love of Jesus before they talk about Jesus in this community. This is where Nico lives. This is his room. It's about six foot wide by ten foot long. He has a kitchen, and that's the only other room in his house, and it's about four feet wide by six feet wide. He cooks all of his meals over an open flame, and he lives on $150 a month. Nico, a hero. We also traveled, and we saw Rudy and Ika. I like that name, Ika. But they, again, work with these children, another very similar environment of living conditions. These kids always amazed me. How in the world did they get any white in their clothes to show when they lived in an environment like that? But they loved to sing songs about Jesus. They were singing in a circle and dancing in a circle when I walked into the room. And Rudy and Ika just absolutely love those children and don't mind living. Ika lives in this house. She actually built it with some friends. That's her little moped out in front of it. She's about 20 years old and always has a smile on her face and always building in to these children. And there is Benny. Benny lives in another area and they haven't put a water treatment area in there. And so I saw an open latrine right outside this school. Um, I've never seen that before, but that was even worse than the standing water. We went in here, and with Jonathan is his helper. And if you see on that blue table, that's a swarm of flies. If you're a teacher, can you imagine teaching your lesson like this, just swatting flies as they were all in this area? But the children were learning. The children were hearing about Jesus. The children were learning English. The children had an opportunity through education, perhaps, to end the cycle of poverty in their family's life. Now, I think about all this. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. They live daily with God. They've literally stepped down from whatever progress might look like in a third world country. And they willingly gave all that they are, all that they have to make Jesus greater in their lives. Now, I'm not saying this so that we will feel guilty. So that we'll be led by guilt and shame to do things that won't be sustainable in our lives. But I will tell you, there's something humbling when I see pictures like this, again, that remind me of that experience. There's something about that that I can step back and go, my goodness, instead of comparing myself with them, all that I have, all the little that they have, why don't I just live today and recognize everything that I have is from the hand of God? Why don't I live without the expectation that I've got to be 90 years old before I have the end of the life? I mean, God has promised eternity for everyone who's trusted in Jesus. But he hasn't promised tomorrow for any of us. He hasn't promised tomorrow for life on this earth. So any of us, he could take. 
but we'll be with him forever. He's called us to live today, daily. I want to live daily. It begins with recognizing him, asking for his provision, living independence, living, practicing contentment, and then uh, giving in generosity. So I want to practice that with you as we close. And so as we do that, I just want you to prepare your mind. Get your mind around God providing for you daily. Right now, as you just bow your head, as you prepare to pray, I want you to just recognize everything that God has provided for you. Some of them are around you, your family, your relationships. Mostly you have Jesus Christ. You have the offer of salvation through his completed work in life, in death, and in through his resurrection. Recognize him right now and thank him for what he's given to you to bring you to a place called today. As you continue to have a spirit of prayer, I just want you to take your hands right now and hold them in your lap and just open them up and look at them right now. Because I want to remind you that everything you have is because God opens his hands and and satisfies the desire of every living thing. So what do you need for him to pour into your hands as you think about today? What do you need today from him? Ask him. Ask him boldly and confidently today. Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we thank you for your provision in our lives. We ask that we would live dependently in you. Lord, move through your spirit to build contentment with what you've already given, not an expectation for things we don't have. And Lord, help us to live courageously and generously, giving to the needs of others and making your name greater on earth as you are in heaven. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.